0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, June 17th, 2018.
1: Women of the Bible, Deborah and Jael.
0: Good morning, Connection Church. And welcome to uh, week three of our series, Women of the Bible. This morning, our focus is on actually two women, Deborah and Jael.
1: Good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the bright sunshine. Thank you for the celebration. And thank you for your word found in Scripture. Settle us in that we might be changed and transformed by your message found in Judges chapter 4. We give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth-Hagom, It's not an easy one. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. For he had, that's Sisera, had 900 chariots of iron and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly 20 years.
1: So Judges chapter 4 is found in the Old Testament. That's the first half of the Bible. And what we have here are um, a host Of characters and places that sound really odd it would have been so much easier if they had named things like Middletown and you know Odessa rather than some of these words we can't understand and called people by names like Bill that's an easy name to say instead of Ehud but anyway what we have here in the Old Testament is this pattern of changing behavior generation to generation of the Hebrew people we have one generation that is faithful and obedient another generation that is far from God faithful far faithful far there's just this vacillating back and forth back and forth and unfortunately the um, far from God years outnumber the close to god years when we read this in in the old testament in the history of the israelites and this stuff is really hard because we see where god is not happy with god's people and god will bring retribution it's like this is why a lot of people you know say well, I'm not going to follow this god who you know does this this and this but this is the word of god and we're going to share god's message and hopefully we'll be able to apply it I know I can, to my life today, and we hope you can too. So here we have Judges chapter 4, and the people once again are far from God, doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And this guy named Ehud is now dead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Ehud, he was one of the good guys in this vacillation between far from God, close to God, In the previous chapter, you got to hang with us because this can get a little confusing. Chapter 3, we were told at the beginning of that chapter that Israel once again did evil in the sight of the Lord as, you know, it's not an uncommon thing. And back then, as a result, God gave Eglon, who was the king of Moab, a surrounding country, power over Israel. Now, they were subject, the Israelites were subject to Eglon for 18 years until the people cried out to God. You see this pattern? They go far, they be oppressed, they cry out to God, and God brings them a deliverer. Who was this guy? Ehud. And so now, beginning of chapter 4, we find that he is dead, and the people once again do evil in the sight of the Lord. So, this time we're told from the scripture that the Lord sells them. When it says sells them, it doesn't mean that they got monetary return. What it means is he turned them over, gave them, saw to it that, that other people could take them over. The Lord sells them into the hands of the king of Canaan, a guy named Jabin. Say Jabin. Very good. Whose, whose army commander, Sisera, say Sisera. That's an, now that's important, an important name. That's an important one. Here. Sisera cruelly oppresses the Hebrew people for 20 years. And the pattern continues as they once again cry out to the Lord for help.
1: So picking it up at verse four of Judges chapter four. At that time, Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lappidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali. I'm
0: so glad you got this part to read.
1: Happy Father's Day. Mm, Thank you. And said to him, the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, go take position at Mount Tabor bringing 10,000 from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out who? Sisera, the general of Jabin's army to meet you by the Wadi Kushan. it's like the <laughs> Apaquinamic River, with his chariots and his troops and I will give him into your hand. So we
0: here see um, where we're told Deborah was a judge. I want to go back a couple of chapters to chapter 2, just to give you a little background on this idea of the judge. See, previously, Joshua took over for Moses and brought the people, the Hebrew people, across the Jordan River into the Promised Land. That's what brings us into the book of Joshua. Uh, uh, that was the book of Joshua. Now we're into Judges, but back then. and. Um, We read, though, back in chapter 2 of Judges that after Joshua, the leader of the Israeli people, after he died and his generation died, another generation grew up who did not know the Lord. That's incredible, isn't it, that this previous generation and the next generation did not know the Lord or what he had done for Israel, that God had delivered them from the slavery, their oppression in Egypt, and brought them... 40 years into the desert and then into the promised land. So you have a whole generation who doesn't know the history. And this generation did evil in the sight of the Lord and served gods, the people around them, small g gods, the the gods of the people around them. God's known as the Baals, B-A-A-L-S, or we sometimes read the Old Testament of Baal. These are foreign gods, gods other than the God that we worship. In His anger, and God does get angry, God gave them, our God gave them over to raiding people who plundered them, and God sold them out to their enemies. And then the Lord, we're told, raised up judges, that's where we find the judges, raised up judges who saved them from the hands of their raiders. And that brings us back up to the fourth chapter now. Deborah was the fourth such judge in this period, the period in Israel's history before they started choosing kings.
1: So these God-chosen judges served several roles. The roles were, were this, um, administration, military leadership. They settled disputes. That's why they were called judges. And they also had an added dimension. There was a spiritual dimension that they were in charge of. Remember, they were appointed by God. And so they, would, they also had the job of bringing others into right relationship with God.
0: Mm. Now. Deborah, in addition to being a judge, we're told that she was also a prophet. Some scriptures call it prophetess, the female uh, version of prophet. So, not only is she a judge, but she's also a prophet. The only other judge-prophet combo plan in Israel's history was Samuel. We see him in future chapters. Samuel is the one who went out and anointed King David to be king when he was just a little guy, a shepherd out in the field. That's the only other judge slash prophet in Israel's history. Um, A prophet's primary function in the Old Testament was to serve as God's representative to the people in the world, delivering God's message to God's people. That's what we see here as as Deborah shares with Barak what the Lord is commanding Barak to do. She's not dreaming it up. She's kind of the the, the, the conduit from God to Barak that he's to take 10,000 troops to meet the other general, Sisera, on the field of battle.
1: And so our focus today is on Deborah because she's she's unique. She is one of a kind. It was so unusual for a woman to be uh, in charge like this, to be a leader in that particular culture, and we're, we're told that she's the only female judge in the history of Israel. That is quite notable. And so here she is, she's to lead armies, she serves as judge, she oversees a nation, and that is because God called her to that. It wasn't um, some accident, but God called her to this leadership her position was, was as leader. And, and this is kind of tough. Sometimes there are people who think that women aren't called to leadership. And this is an example in Scripture where it's clear that God, in fact, did call Deborah right. to lead.
0: Hmm. Some people think I'm not called to leadership, especially over men, in fact. And yet we have a story here that kind of goes contrary. You know, we feel if God wanted a man in this position... God can do anything God wants. God would have created a man for this position because with God all things are possible. Deborah is the judge because God created Deborah to be the judge at this point in history. Deborah is in this position of leadership, not by default, not just because she happened to be there. She's there because God created her to be there and created her in a way, two to special aspects of her of her uh, style, God created for this point in time. And one of those is her faithfulness.
1: Her faithfulness. Now, faithfulness is a primary quality that God looks for in leaders. It's a gift that God gives, and faithfulness is needed in leadership. So she was able to tell Barak what to do in battle, not because she dreamed it up, but because she was faithful, faithful to what God had shared with her. She was carrying out God's wishes, God's plans, God's purposes.
0: And her faithfulness also extends to her role as a judge. As a judge, she heard cases brought to her concerning the people of Israel. Good judgment comes from being tuned into God, from being faithful to God's word, to God's desires, faithful to God's law, faithful to God's will for God's people. And so as both judge and prophet, Deborah was faithful to what God was bringing to the people of Israel through her. Deborah was the leader of Israel, not because of a shortage of male leaders, but because God wanted her to be in charge, and God created her to be faithful to make that happen.
1: Deborah was not only faithful, but she was also fearless. Fearless. So check this out. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. Um, But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell who, who? Sisera, named to remember, into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah got up and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak summoned Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh, and 10,000 warriors went up behind him, and Deborah went up with him.
0: We're not given a whole lot of background on, on Barak. I looked, you know, th- scanned his name, said, you know, did a word search of the scriptures. Basically, we see him here. We, we see whose son he was, where he was from in the previous scripture passage. That's about it. We're not told if he's a military leader, a warrior, or anything like that. But uh, God does tell him to summon 10,000 troops, and he's able to do that. So he's, you know, not just everybody can pull together 10,000 people willing to go into battle. So, he perhaps has some military background. He maybe has some leadership, obviously, because he's able to draw the 10,000 from Zebulun and Naphtali and have them head over to Kadesh, where he and Deborah joined them. It's interesting here that he says he will not go and lead these troops into battle unless she is with him. The real interesting part is she reminds him If she is there, he will not get the glory for the victory that's coming. Notice, that is coming. She's assured that it's coming. God will sell the opposing general into the hand of a woman, she says. Fearlessly, Deborah goes with Barak into the battlefield.
1: And so they meet on the battlefield, the Israelites led by Deborah and Barak, and then we have the Canaanites led by Sisera. We don't know how many troops Sisera had, but we do know that he had 900 iron chariots. Now, that's a significant amount, so therefore Sisera's army seemed a lot stronger, at least on paper, than the Israel forces. And then they met at a place called Wadi Kashan. Now Wadi's Arabic for Hebrew. Uh, Arab, Wadi is an Arab. Arabic and Hebrew term that refers to valley. So we've got like valley and Kashanza River. So what we have is this riverbed that was dry. And so when the battle started apparently Wadi Kadesh was dry. This ideal place for warriors on chariots to engage in battle. But According to the very next chapter, chapter 5 in Judges, it's known as the Victory Song of Deborah, we read, the earth trembled and the heavens poured and the clouds indeed poured water. So God flooded this dry riverbed, filled it up with tons of water, rendering these 900 iron chariots to get stuck in the mud, there was chaos everywhere. I mean, can you imagine? This would be such a great movie. And so, you know, here's this battle. They go and pow, what God does? God causes confusion, and as a result, ten thousand Israeli troops defeated Sisera and his troops. And as Scripture tells us, Sisera's army, his entire army, fell by the sword. Except for Sisera, who lived.
0: But the story isn't finished. The rest of the story. Now Sisera had fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, wife of Haber the Kenite, for there was peace between King Jabin of Hazor and the clan of Haber the Kenite. Dale came out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, I have no fear. So he turned aside to her into the tent, and she covered him with a rug. And then he said to her, please give me a little drink of war, a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. And so she, um, she opened a skin of milk and gave him a drink and covered him. And he said to her, stand at the entrance of the tent, and if anyone comes and asks you, is anyone here, just say no. But Jael, wife of Haber, took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple until it went down into the ground. He was lying fast asleep from weariness, and he died.
1: So, what do you think? <laughs> this is Ooh. a pretty rough scripture. It, it really is. So, Sisera thought that he was entering the tent of an ally... Entering the tent of a friend, and instead he was entering the tent of a woman who was a God follower. A woman who wasn't on his side, and she lured him in and made him comfortable and gave him a rug, that's a blanket, and got him nice and comfy. He wanted water and said she gave him milk. Kind of set him up. He went to sleep. Oh, by the way... Um, We're told that women set up tents, and so she was used to putting stakes in the ground. And so that's exactly what she did with this guy. And, you know, I I don't get it. I don't get it. And it seems very uncomfortable to even share. I mean, I don't even know. But it is a painful reminder of how gruesome battle is. And... You know, Jael had to live with that, but here's the thing. Deborah, remember Deborah was a prophet, and she said early on in the beginning of this scripture that we shared, verse 9, she said, Surely I will go with you, Barak. Nonetheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And so that woman turned out to be Jael, and not Deborah, which kind of is what I thought when I first learned about this scripture, like, yeah, she's going to win this thing. But no, they were, so Jael knew what to do with Sisera. Don't know if she had to do that, but anyway, when he was placed in her hands, the battle, here's the deal, the battle was won, and Sisera went down.
0: It is a rough scripture, isn't it? But um, here again, battle is not... Pretty, war is not pretty. And sister was the one remaining uh, warrior in that battle, and her her job was to uh, finish off the enemy, hard as that is to to see. And so we have the um, we have the privilege here of seeing two powerful women in action in this in this story. Two women who weren't afraid to step up and take, uh, make it happen when they had the opportunity, two women who were somewhat unusual in this male-dominated culture of their day and time, the man's world, quote, unquote, that they found themselves in. But this story, I think, reminds us that it's not about being a man or a woman. It's not about whether it's man's world or woman's world, because it's God's world. It's God's world. God is in charge, and, and God calls us God's, and God will put the person God's wants in the position of power, man or woman. It's not about gender. It's about faithfulness and fearlessness. Regardless of whether we're male or female, we're, are we going to be faithful to God's call on our lives. Amen. Amen. And are we going to be fearless when it comes to carrying out that call? That's what matters. Faith versus fear. The, they can't, we said this before, they can't occupy the same space when God is there. Are we going to be faithful? And if so, then we need to be Fearless.
1: So hundreds of years later, in the second half of the scripture, we find the Apostle Paul, who gives us a lot of um, ways to live and was an apostle of Jesus Christ, and he covers some similar ground in one of his letters. He was a church planter in one of his letters to a church at Galatia, and Paul shares this Galatians 3, chapter 28, or Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Would you say it with me? There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. So here we have Jesus Christ is the great equalizer. Jesus is the equalizer. It's in Jesus Christ that we do find our common ground. It's in Jesus Christ that we, as followers of Christ as disciples, we, we find our purpose and our being in Jesus, who saved us by giving his very life for us. So we're not separated by nationality. We're not separated by status. We're not separated by gender. We too are called to be faithful. Deborah and Jael didn't have Jesus. You know, they it was God. We have Jesus. God knew that we were desperate people, far from God, close to God, far, and had to be absolutely like in our face by coming, in the person. Of Jesus Christ human yet divine so that we could receive our salvation and so here we have this powerful story found in the Old Testament as difficult as it is with Deborah and JL but the message that we glean from this is their faithfulness and their fearlessness and we can be the same way because in christ nothing can separate us and we are all truly one and called with a unique purpose and a plan and we encourage you to be obedient faithful and fearless in whatever it is that god is asking you to do at any given moment on any given day. Let's live that, and let's believe that, because that's the good news of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? God, thank you so much for your word. This is a really tough one. It's this Old Testament stuff is what causes a lot of people to say, I don't want to have anything to do with God because of this... um, the drama, the, the bloodshed that we read about. But God, as followers of you, help us read the Bible from cover to cover and to connect with you and to learn from your word. Thank you for Deborah and for Jail and for their example in our lives. Thank you for loving us so deep and so wide for your love has no bounds. How great you are. I pray this in the name of the Father and his Son, Jesus the Christ, and by the power of God's Holy Spirit. And everybody agreed and said, amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware,